Well, welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast for today, October the 9th. And today is the second in our series, Looking at Time. Uh, we begin with the reading from the Tao Te Ching. From the Tao Te Ching, number 64. What is rooted is easy to nourish. What is recent is easy to correct. What is brittle is easy to break. What is small is easy to scatter. Prevent trouble before it arises. Put things in order before they exist. The giant pine tree grows from a tiny sprout. The journey of a thousand miles starts from beneath your feet. Rushing into action, you fail. Trying to grasp things, you lose them. Forcing a project to completion, you ruin what was almost ripe. Thank you, Andy. Great. Well, this is the second uh, of our series um, that we've been looking at the nature of time and what we do with the time that we've got. We're using uh, William Blake's proverb for this, which is, in seed time learn, in harvest teach, in winter enjoy. In seed time learn, in harvest teach, in winter enjoy. And last week, we looked at the idea of sacred time. That in reality, past and future actually occur in the present. None of us has ever been to the future or to the past for that matter. And all our lives are lived in the present. In fact, our consciousness is the one thing that is constant. The eternal now that spiritual writers talk about. And time passes through that now manifesting as a perception of changes we see in the things around us. We we looked at the importance of making the most of that experience of now, and that all time is in fact sacred, no matter how hard or troublesome it might seem to us. In this vein, all time collapses into this moment. And in actuality, seed time, harvest and winter are all actually occurring simultaneously. We are in this present sowing seeds, we are harvesting others, and we are enjoying winter. Learning, teaching, and joy all rolled on into this one moment. But for the sake of looking at the ideas, we're going to separate them out and look at the idea of learning at seed time this week, and teaching and harvest next week, and the joy of winter the following week, and then bring it all together after that. So, the idea of learning at seed time. Learning is such an important thing. And the word learn comes from the Old English, Leonoran, which means to get knowledge. Or the Gothic word, lias, which means I know. And the whole base of it is, is to follow or find the track. So, learning is following or finding the track. And in that real sense, you know, what we're doing 
is, you know, finding the track in life. The learning at seed time is finding the track in life. We're always looking at what the best thing to do in any particular given situation. And really, it's through learning that we find out. In that knowing sense, you know, I always bang on about consciousness, but, you know, that word con- consciousness comes from the two words conskios, which means to know together, con together, skios, know, to know together. And to some extent, that's both the way that our senses tell us what's going on. We, we become conscious of what's happening. We put information together and we use that to learn what's going on in reality. And also it means knowing, learning together in a sense of community. You know, we share with each other the perspectives that we have on our life. And so we gradually learn together and our perspectives change. And that happens in society. You know, the emergence of civil rights, the awareness of prejudice, you know, understanding of human rights are all part of the process of conskios, a, a developing conversation amongst our community that leads to a raising in consciousness around such issues. We talk about gender consciousness, about class consciousness, about racial consciousness, about environmental consciousness. And it's all about learning and becoming aware of what's going on. And these changes affect us individually and they affect us as society. It's the way that society moves on. Health conscious, be conscious of drink driving. All these things result in specific conversations that we have together. And so this learning, this knowing that we're talking about is a function of finding the right path in our lives by becoming conscious of what's going around us, what's going on around us, finding the right path in our lives by being conscious of what's going around us, both individually and collectively. In seed time, learn. And I think at no point is it more important to be conscious, to be learning, to be knowing that at that time when we are sowing seeds. Because the seeds that we sow, obviously, will form the harvest that we reap. And the harvest that we're all reaping right now in our lives, whatever's going on, is created by seeds that were sown earlier. And there are numerous examples in, in scriptures about you know, this sort of thing, that old idea of cast your bread upon the water, for you will find it after many days, is the same thing. And the other one, and so in everything, do unto others what you, you would have them do, do to you. That's known as, do unto others as you would have them do to you, is known as the golden rule, because it, it occurs in all the major religions. That idea that what you do will come back to you. But I think it, it actually goes even deeper than that. In every moment, every single moment, we are always sowing seeds whether we're aware of it or not, in how we conduct ourselves, in what we say and do, as well as those times when we specifically think, well, I'm sowing some seeds here, all the other times you are as well. And so we always have to be open to learning from what's happening and learning from what happened in the past to know the effect of what we're going to have happen in the future. So we, we, you, know, you have to just completely be aware of what's going on because it does create the next step, that famous quote from uh, George Santayana, those who 
do not remember their past, are condemned to repeat their mistakes. Those that do not remember the past. And we, we all feel that. You know, things that happen, you know, again and again. We, we blank out our mistakes and we, we steadfastly, you know, refuse to remember them. I remember, you know, um, in my relationship with my mother, I don't think she's watching now because she always turns off after the first bit of music, so hopefully. Anyway, I remember, you know, for a long time, I always used to end up rowing with her. You know, you'd, 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 you know, whatever came up, we were always coming from different agendas. You know, I'd go and visit her. And she'd always come up with something like, you know, our, our gardener was called Mr. Bug. And uh, she'd always come up with something like, well, Mr. Bug made the lawn today. And I was so disinterested in this. So, so I sort of changed the subject and we were both diverging. And, you know, one night I had a, a dream. This is true, this. I had a dream. And I can't remember what the dream was, but I absolutely knew when I got up the next morning what I needed to do to, uh, with my relationship with my mother. And I rang her up and I said, I'm coming down to see you this weekend. She was quite surprised. You know, I said, well, I'm coming this weekend. So I came down. And, this, and um, she, you know, we were sitting at the table. She did the normal thing. Mr. Bug made the lawn this morning. And I said, how long did it take him? <laughs> she said, what did he do? You know, and actually, from that moment on, when I realized that all I had to do was to follow where she wanted to go, it totally transformed our relationship. And I still have that relationship with her. You know, there's a love just developed between us. When I, you know, became arrogant, you know, stopped being arrogant enough to think that I was going to teach her something, but actually just was with her. You know, that moment where I began to sow those seeds at that particular time just totally changed it. And we have a fantastic relationship. And it's all really based upon just giving up to that. But we always, we do the same things over and over again. I, I use this poem in Developing Consciousness, and I think it's really good. It's, a, it's from the Tibetan book of Living and Dying. And it's called uh, Autobiography in Five Chapters. And it really tells us, you know, what we do. Autobiography in Five Chapters. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the pavement. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the pavement. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. Still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the pavement. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the pavement. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down another street. And that really sums up not learning or how we learn. It takes a long time, you know, for us not to learn from our mistakes. There's an argument that put forth that monkeys are more intelligent in this way than human beings. They're more adaptable in their brains. You put a monkey in a cage with two buttons. If the monkey presses the first, the button gets a grape. If he presses the second one, the monkey gets an electric shock. Now, very, you shouldn't do this, by the way, you know, obviously. But very soon, if you did do it, the monkey learns which, you know, button gives him the grape and which the electric shock, and he always gets the grape. However, if you swap the buttons around, 
the monkey will get the message and will very quickly go to the other button. That's, you know, first of all, he'll get the electric shock and then he'll try again. And then he'll realize that it's swapped around and he'll go to the other button. Human beings don't do that. They stick to the same button. They say, I know from my past experience that when I press this button, I got the grape. So I will continue to press it. And after a while, the human says to itself, I know I'm getting an electric shock at the moment, but that is the price I have to pay for eventually getting the grape. (laughs) And this may go on for years in your behavior until the idea of the grape becomes a distant memory. And the mind now says, the electric shock is good because it reminds me what the grape tasted like. (laughs) We suffer because we know that eventually we'll get the grape either in this life or the next. And eventually, the human passes and creates the ritual of the electric shock (laughs) onto the next generation. And and that generation is so far removed from the grape that it begins to see the electric shock itself as bringing value because it reminds us that we're alive. And so, you know, it just goes on. You know, know, the grape has its medicinal, the the electric shock has its medicinal properties, as well as reminding us of the grape. And the following generation creates the order of the grape, which includes receiving many electric shocks. And our lives are like that. We just don't learn. The grape becomes the promise of the life in this world or the next. And the shock becomes the way we connect to the grape. You know, it goes on. But we have to be careful about the seeds we actually sow when we sow them. And we have to learn from what goes on in our lives. So often we take our seeds from others. We don't even create our own seeds. We just throw them about carelessly. Opinions and attitudes that we espouse are often secondhand and borrowed from other people. And we're oblivious to the effects that they have because we're unconscious that we're using them. Actions that are performed without due care for their effect and also examples of unconsciousness, careless words, cause hurt and you're sowing a totally different seed. It's important, it's so important to be always learning, always aware of what we're doing and always conscious of the effect of what we do has on others. And the whole imagery of sowing is well given. You know, when you sow, You have to be aware of the seed that you're sowing. You have to be aware of what you're sowing. You know, is it wheat or barley? Are there weeds among the seeds or is it pure? Are the seeds alive or dead? Are they home produced? And if not, where did they come from? Is the source reliable? You know, we don't question a lot of our actions. So many questions we have to be aware of before we start. And where should we sow them? You know, should I just be sowing them in my field? What happened if I sowed when I sowed these before in, in, in this field? Did the soil work? What do I need to be aware of with the soil? You know, stony ground among thorns, rich soil, the whole conversation. You know, it is the whole seed thing. Did the last time I sowed feed me at the harvest or not? And as a farmer, you have to be conscious of all these things. As someone living lives, we have to be conscious of the way that we live. Because whether we know it or not, we are sowing seeds everywhere we go, every action we take, every word we say. So if we're unconscious and not learning while we're doing it, then we we reap the whirlwind of our actions. And that actually, 
Incidentally, that phrase comes from Horsea. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It produces no flower. We are always reaping and sowing. Which justifies the whole act of being aware, being conscious and being mindful. There's that wonderful phrase that Gandhi said. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. So interesting. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. And your values become your destiny. It's all there. The need to learn, the need to be aware, and the need to see what you're sowing. Let's pray. Lord, we're just uh, particularly aware today of all the difficulties happening in the world, and particularly with everything around Hurricane Michael. We just pray for all those in Haiti at the moment, people we're in connection with through the high school program here, the cholera, the loss of crops, loss of life, loss of housing. Pray for those on our seaboard as well, all those suffering at the moment. Also particularly think of those in Aleppo at the moment, in Lebanon as well, Yemen, all over the world where there is trouble and difficulty and war. And we pray that seeds may be sown that will create love rather than hate. We just look at those seeds being sown everywhere and we pray that leaders all over the world will take those seeds and sow something new. I pray for our leaders, particularly at this time of election, you will give them hearts that will enable them to sow the right seeds. May they be conscious of what they do and say. Pray for our town now, people coming in, people leaving, people working at the moment, visitors. And pray for our community here, people suffering. We particularly pray for Patricia Hill, Barbara Orcutt and Will Relsh, for Maureen Hirsch, for Elise Strickland, now on the right drugs, and her husband Carter, Valbert Karlberg. And last week we prayed for Cherise battling fourth-stage cancer and her daughter Ryan, who had organ failure from toxic shock. And, and Cheyenne is, she's 14 and she's much better now, and so that's good news. But Cherise is still battling that. Pray for Barbara Owen and with her father at the moment, who is transitioning. And we do uh, pray for Karen and her family the family of Kendra Nevis at this time of her passing. Lord, we offer all these up to you now. Pray for your healing touch and your love. Enable them to receive some of that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.